Today's scripture comes from Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude." Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves. O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil, and you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My friends, it's a delight to be with you in worship. Professor Thomas, if it, if it weren't for the fact that I didn't want to upstage you, I would have been dancing in front of the chancel. I'd have made all these people upset because I get down to music like that and dance like a crazy man. When you feel the spirit, does anybody just want to dance? Sometimes that's how I pray. I come in here during all this COVID and I come pray before the altar, and sometimes I just feel the Spirit catch me, and I start doing a dance, and then I remember that there's cameras in here, and, and, and I bet Eric, our building and grounds guy, is laughing at me sometimes, because I'm a little silly looking when I dance, because I just kind of get with it, you know? Let me see you get with it for a second. 
All right. Certainly a delight to be back together with some of you in worship. I see some of you wearing masks. We do encourage people who have not been vaccinated or who have immuno issues to wear masks. But here's the thing. This is a no criticism zone. Um, people were wearing masks earlier. Some people don't. I don't want to hear anybody in the church say to someone else something snarky about wearing one. We're all in different places on this. We're going to take care of each other. And if I hear you've been snarky with somebody, I'm going to come in the spirit looking for you. All kidding aside, let's just try to be peaceful and caring of one another, right? Can I get an amen? amen? All right. You've been hearing a lot tonight about today about the Spirit. Today is Pentecost, which is the universal church's birthday in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the people of God, and there's a lot of symbols of fire, breath, and air. So in that spirit, before we pray, I'm going to invite you to take a deep inhale and then I want you to exhale all the air out of your lungs so that the next breath you breathe in is the breath of God. Breathe in. Exhale. Breathe in the breath of God. And Creator God, we are thankful for the gift of life that you've given each one of us. And we confess that there are so many ways that we haven't been faithful with that gift. We've been wayward and unwise and sinful. But it is the shape of our hope and the confession of our hearts that while we walk away from you, you still send your son Christ to reconcile us into yourself. We believe further that your son, our Savior, Christ the Lord, is at work in our hearts, cultivating inside of us a desire not for our will be done, but for your will be done. We also believe and are thankful for the fact that you sent your Holy Spirit as our guide, our counselor, our friend. Send your spirit now, God, for everyone in this room and who can hear my voice. You and I know that without you, I can do nothing. So we ask that the spirit lead us through the valley of dry bones today. That these images, evocative they may be to our minds, do more than just transform our minds. Let them transform our hearts. Give us breath. Give us your breath that we may go out into this world and bring love with us. It is in the matchless name of your Son, Christ the Savior, that all God's children together pray now, saying, Amen. In the late 1890s, an English newspaperman who worked for a paper in New York heard that American humorist Mark Twain was either really ill on death's door or maybe dead himself. Not having the luxuries of the internet, he did the only thing he knew to do to discover the information. He wrote to the Twain address, to his home. He asked him if he was dead. <laughs> he asked him if he was sick. He inquired. Mark Twain could only do this. It's just such a way that Mark Twain was with words. He, he wrote back, well, I'm assuming that you're referencing my cousin who is actually ill in London. I, however, am not. And he goes on. And then he says, and this is, this is often misquoted. Here's what he actually says. The report of my death was an exaggeration. You've heard it grossly or greatly exaggerated. It's just the report of my death was an exaggeration. It's hilarious. But I don't fault the newspaperman. Because death is a fact. It's a fact of the universe. 
the entire cosmos wide, wherever there is life, death accompanies it as well. We face death very much and very often. There was one night I couldn't sleep. I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I have bouts of insomnia. And it became one of those dark nights of the soul. Have you ever had one of those? Couldn't sleep. I didn't want to toss and turn in the bed and bother my wife, so I decided to get up and go watch television. You know, I know what I should do in those moments. I should read a book or do the dishes and then try to go back to sleep. But in those moments, I don't ever want to do any of that. I just want to watch the television downstairs in my den. And I'm battling what I call my anxiety monster. I wonder if you ever have demons like that. They tend to visit you late at night when you don't have a friend or loved one to talk to you. They tend to visit you in the dark. Things look grim. They always look better when you have someone there with you. And they always look better when the light comes up from the sun. But in the dark, the ruminations have nowhere to go. Do you want to know what I was thinking about? It's confessional. I was wondering if I would be the last senior minister in Peachtree Christian Church's history and if we were on our way to death. And that was before COVID. I wasn't thinking about COVID. This was before COVID. This was me spending time studying the Pew research about church decline in America and how it's ubiquitous and rising secularity is ubiquitous in America as well. I mean, I just saw another study confirming it that like 10 years ago, 71% of Americans would report to belonging to a church that last month or something, only 47% now admit belonging to a church. I was reading something else back in this day and time when I had my dark night of the soul. It was about how many cathedral, historic cathedral-style Lutheran churches in Minnesota. I don't know if you've ever seen a cathedral-style historic church. How many of them were just dying left and right and being locked up, even though they were well-heeled well and filled with people in the 20th century. Minnesota is a Lutheran bastion. The answer, the reason, it wasn't because there's no talented ministers. It wasn't because the, the people didn't care. It's because the world around us is not interested as much as they used to be. So I thought, in my darkest moments, are we in, heading in that direction? I confess that to you. It's a moment of pessimism. We've been through 14 months of a pandemic, and pessimism is pretty high during a pandemic. That's just my hot take. Pretty high, and I can see why. We see the reports of death come across the TV screen all the time. The healthcare people tell me over 500,000 people have died from COVID-related causes. I've known a couple. Have you met anybody? There's joblessness. There's people who, who, who are alone during this time. There, there, there's mental health crises in America right now. I talked to a psychiatrist friend, tells me they're working 12 to 15 hours a day and their office is full of people. And I hear about this from anybody in the mental health care. People are reporting feeling listless during this time. Here's a big word that is often reported on. People feel the, the feeling of meh. 
It's a technical word. I saw it in the New York Times. <laughs> Meh. And we've gotten really illogical, which shouldn't shock us because we're not logical creatures. We're emotional creatures. But I'll never forget hearing my friends, really brilliant people, say things like this. I'm just over it. You're over what? Well, I'm just over the virus. And so they start going easy on their self-protection. And I think to myself, well, that's brilliant because the virus certainly isn't over us, over you. But that's what happens. Things get heavy and they get hard and they become too much and it feels like we're walking ever present in the valley of the shadow of death or at least in a valley filled with dried, old, dusty bones. So we all try to find ways of coping. It took me half of the year to figure out that I could put a desk in my den downstairs. For the first part of the year, my workstation was at the end of my dining room table, staring at the back of my wife's head in the other room. I'd sit there and I'd see the coronavirus cases going like this. I'd see the amount of hospital beds going like this. I'd read a report of another black body dead in the street. I'd hear a report of protest. I'd hear reports of polarization. Oh, let's not even talk about how we're polarized. I'm tired of talking about it, let alone thinking about it. Let's not forget about the fact that we all just went through an election. Oh my gosh, do you remember we had an election too? My point is, I would be looking at the news and it would just overwhelm me. And I'd look at my wife and I'd say, that's it. I'm going to the grill. And she'd say, well, honey, it's only 1030 in the morning. <laughs> Tough. You're going to eat ribs early, chicken, hamburgers, whatever. So much so that by Father's Day, my wife mercifully went out and bought me a big green egg. And then what happened was I'd make ribs one night. and We'd have leftovers, but I wanted to do something the next night. So I'd smoke a Boston butt and we'd have leftovers. So the next day I'd do, uh, I'd do a, a, a brisket. That was my way of coping. It's been, in any way, my way of coping. We all do things to cope, and there's no judgments, but the point is this is hard. It's like we're in a valley of dry bones. But that doesn't mean it's been devoid of spiritual lessons. We actually could have had a master class in spiritual formation during COVID if you took the time to do so. It should be no shock to you because we've preached about it. We've spoken about it in our Monday classes, our Wednesday night classes, our gatherings, Sunday school classes. We've been online telling you that the great metaphor for this time is exile. Or the wilderness journey, like when Moses led the Israelites from Egypt to the Holy Land. They had to wait a generation of wandering through without a sense of home and comfort and something normal. The people in exile several hundred years later, they actually were taken away from home and comfort. They were taken away from their great temple where they met with God and they were taken into foreign lands and there they had to put down roots. They had to build homes for generations and tell their stories but at a distance. If you took the time to focus on this as being spiritual exile. And with it, ask this question. What is God doing in my life right now? 
How is God with me in this valley of nothing but dusty, old, dead bones? What's God doing right now? As God is working still. But if you didn't ask that question, and so many haven't, you missed it. The questions have been more like, when do we get to return to normal and go back? Friends, we're not going back. You understand, there's no returning back. There's only going forward. There's only going forward. Can I get an amen? You can't go back. They don't exist any longer. Questions about when will I feel comfort again or feel normal again. Those questions are polluting the spiritual growth that can happen by asking, what is God doing with me in this moment of exile? But I get it. I get it. And I give you for grace and you give me grace on it because this is hard. It's been so hard walking in this valley. I'm parched and I got the dust of these dusty bones all about my flesh and in my mouth. And so we ask questions out of fear. And I've heard many of my own brothers and sisters here at the church ask me questions like, they start like this, Pastor, I'm worried. Aren't you worried that the church is going to die? Aren't you worried the church is dying? And for people who I don't excuse, they ask me, is the church even doing anything? I don't excuse that because we absolutely have, and it's been obvious. You just have to tune in. You just have to look online. You just have to join. But nevertheless, I can hear the fear, the fear of what's going to happen in our future. And I know I told you about my dark night of the soul, but trust me, when the sun came up, things were better that day. Every time I was asked this question, I looked people in the eyes and I was going to be able to say this to them. No, I'm not afraid. I am not worried. Because when I get worried, I look to places of holiness for comfort. And one of the places of holiness that Christians are drawn to for comfort is in our own holy scriptures. Amen? And when I survey its wonderful pages and stories, and I go back to the old prophets, and I, and I look to those who spoke to people who were in exile, I find my friend Ezekiel who spoke to a people in exile. That's who he's talking to. And he gives a very rousing image. It's very evocative. You hear it. He stands before a valley of dried bones, and then you start to hear the clickety-clack of bones coming together. And then you start hearing the wet, smacky sound of sinew and tissue and blood and and flesh wrapping around those old bones to animate and bring life. And then you hear that gentle wind from God, somehow gentle, somehow fierce, at the same time giving life to this body that was once nothing but bones. The breath of God in the lungs of the people of God in exile. This is the exact opposite of those time-lapse videos when you see an animal carcass rot down to the nothingness, this is the opposite. This is the image of resurrection. This is the image of getting up after falling down. This is the image of coming through what is bad and miserable, only to be better for it on the other side. This is freshness. This is newness. This is newness of life brought forth by God with the breath of God in your lungs. So 
What does God do for a people, a faithful people, who've been in exile? He makes them live again. He brings them home. This is not the time to be afraid, church. I'm telling you, that doesn't mean to be stupid or uninformed about our world. Take care of yourself. It doesn't mean to be haphazard about a virus. Take care of yourself. It doesn't mean to be haphazard about the rising crime rate that's happening in every American city. Be smart. Be careful. But not being afraid here means this. It means not worried about what's on the other side. For we have a God who will lead us through. We have a God who says, prophesy to these bones, let them live again, and I will give them life. Today is not a day for fear. It's a day to be brave. You can be brave, church. Today is a day for courage. You can be courageous, church. Because God has more for you than sitting in a pew. God wants to have this place, have new life, animated by God, to go out into that world and make a difference, to bring the breath of God wherever we go. So I'm not worried. It seems to me that reports of our death have been grossly exaggerated. Here, here endeth the lesson.